0: Hi everyone, welcome to a special edition podcast episode from EMBRACE, NAVC's advocacy initiative. Following Dr. Kurt Schrader's retirement, we will no longer have representation in Congress by veterinary professionals. Veterinary professionals offer a unique insight, not only into our industry, but many of the issues that affect public health. Could you be the veterinary representation that we need? If you have ever considered running for public office, this episode is for you. For this episode, I was joined by Mike Bober, president of the Pet Advocacy Network to discuss how to get started in politics and public service and what to expect when starting and kind of all along this journey. I'll let him tell you a little bit more about himself in our episode, but just to give you a brief introduction, Mike Bober joined the Pet Advocacy Network as vice president of government affairs in 2013 and has led the council's advocacy efforts ever since. In January of 2016, he was named the president and CEO. To spread the word about the power of pets and the benefit of the human-animal bond, Mike and the team at the Pet Advocacy Network have established or expanded several popular events on Capitol Hill, including pet night, therapy animal interactions, and an annual legislative fly-in for the pet care community. In the early days of the COVID-19 response, They led the nationwide effort to ensure that pet retailers and service providers were included as essential businesses and permitted to remain open as closures went into effect across the country. Previously, Mike served as coalition's director for a national political committee, where he presented on key congressional races and grassroots engagements to groups nationwide. His specialties include legislative analysis, connecting with lawmakers, coalition building, and outreach. He was named one of the Pet Industry's 40 Under 40 by Pet Age in 2016. In 2020, the World Pet Association presented him with their Positive Impact Award, and he was included in Pet Age's inaugural Power 50 list and the National Institute of Lobbying and Ethics Top Lobbyists of 2021 list last year. In March, he was recognized by Association Trends as 2022 Leading Association Lobbyist. Mike is a former Jeopardy! champion who sometimes answers in the form of a question and a certified barbecue judge on the KCBS circuit. He and his family welcomed Scruffles, their Cocker Spaniel, as one of the earliest pandemic pups in April of 2020. For this episode, I'm joined by Mike Bober, and we're going to talk about something a little bit you know, off topic compared to some of the medical topics that we normally cover and talk about representation in political office and the Pet Advocacy Network. So Mike, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: So Mike, tell us about yourself.
1: Sure. I'm Mike Bober. I'm the president of the Pet Advocacy Network, uh, but before that, I actually spent uh, about a decade in politics in Washington. Uh, I ran the House Conservatives Fund, and I spent four years as the coalition's director for the National Republican Congressional Committee. So I've, uh, I've had a little bit of experience in the political world, and uh, I've seen my share of candidates, both good and bad, and uh, I know for a fact that uh, folks in the animal health community are, are among the best out there, and I'm hoping we can recruit some more.
0: Interesting. So this is a side of, you know, the animal industry, if that's what we want to call it, that I don't think I ever even knew existed. How did this Pet Advocacy Network come to be?
1: The Pet Advocacy Network has actually been around for about 50 years. We were formed in the 70s as the Pet Industry Joint Advisory Council. Uh, And really, it's because... decisions get made in washington and across the country uh, whether people who are involved in them have a say or not and so it was a a real effort to make sure that uh, that as those decisions were being made and as uh, important regulations were being considered uh, that there was an opportunity for those of us uh, in the community to really kind of connect with the folks that were making those decisions and to kind of help them use the best available information as they were considering their directions
0: so this was more formed out of a production type of standpoint
1: yeah yeah it was folks in the uh, the manufacturing community but also in the uh, the live animal breeding community both sides saw the need to to sort of uh, you know, to, to borrow a line from Hamilton, to, to be in the room where it happens. We are the trade association that represents the responsible pet care community, uh, everyone from breeders and distributors of animals to food and product manufacturers, retailers and service providers, and even folks in the veterinary community as well. Uh, our job is to sort of help educate uh, lawmakers and staff to make sure that, uh, that when they are considering legislation or regulations that affect animals or those who care for them. Uh, They're doing so with the right information to make informed decisions. Uh, So that's what we do on a daily basis is we have meetings, we connect with lawmakers, and we we really try to represent the expertise and the experience of your members and and our members alike.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've certainly seen that in veterinary medicine, um, as far as rules and regulation, and going. Hold on, we actually can't practice if you do that. And that's
1: right. That's right.
0: Having <laughs> to put the brakes on, or you know, or support some of this stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. We uh, we find that a, a lot of the time it, it really is a matter of of weighing in, uh, like. You said both for the good and the bad, uh, and and sometimes it's just a matter of saying, you know, I I see what you're trying to do here, but but let me offer you this little bit of information that may make you aware of an unintended consequence uh, that that if it were to go through the way it is written right now, would have a huge impact on people that you never intended to to touch.
0: Being a part of the pet advocacy network and having this unique perspective, you've also seen the impact of veterinarians and veterinary professionals in public office. Do you feel like that's something important for, um, veterinarians such as, you know, the ones we've had in office recently to continue to serve and, and give that representation?
1: Oh, it's huge. Yeah. The, uh, one of the, the, the biggest challenges that we face in, in, Our efforts at advocacy is educating people on something that that they don't really have any grounding in whatsoever. So when you've got somebody like a Dr. Schrader or a Dr. Yoho, uh, who's coming to Congress with a a grounding in our subject matter, It does so much of our work for us up front and really allows us to focus on the substance of what we're talking about. You know, we don't have to go through that sort of veterinary medicine 101 because they already understand it.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, aside from that, just fundamental understanding of veterinary medicine, what kind of important and unique qualities do veterinary professionals bring to public office?
1: You know, one of the things I really like about working with really medical professionals in general, but but certainly veterinarians, uh, is that they they tend to come from a background that involves uh, working with the public uh, on issues that are maybe a little bit esoteric or a little bit technical, uh, but then finding ways to to connect with them and to to sort of bring them to a place where there's there's mutual understanding. Uh, it's something that I, I think a lot of the the medical professionals in congress have done well over the years that i've worked with uh, and it, again it's something that that really kind of makes them stand out among their peers
0: yeah i guess that that makes a lot of sense of you know having to to build that trust with the people who you're working with and maintain it and and deliver on what you're promising.
1: Absolutely. And I, I should point out, it's it's not just veterinarians either. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, anybody sure. with anybody with a background in in veterinary, uh, the veterinary community at large, you know, anyone who's who's dealing with these issues really does kind of come to us from a, a place and a perspective uh, that that allows us to kind of start from a, a very positive beginning with them.
0: Absolutely, I'm thinking like communication and things like that too. Definitely thinking about serving in public office. This seems like kind of this intangible concept of you mm-hmm, know, yeah, mm-hmm. there are people who do that, but I am not that person. Um, <laughs> so you know, but of you know, of course, veterinarians have gone and done this and been very successful. So what are some of the common experiences, qualifications, roles, things that people have done that individuals in public office have done when? they are campaigning that have made them successful in getting into office, but also successful once they're there
1: one of the things that i think really has been a, a benefit for folks in in this space to to get involved uh, really is that that sort of lengthy training process that got them where they are in their profession you know it's the the ability to kind of focus on one step after another and to really kind of go through a process that uh, that allows them to kind of you know really weigh out the, the the steps that need to be taken you know one of the things that we've seen is that a lot of the people who make the transition from from whatever their their current profession is, into elected office, uh, is some sort of involvement at the the community level, and that can be in their their local community, their their hometown. Uh, it can also be in their their professional community. You know, a lot of the folks come up through their their trade association or their professional association. Uh, they get involved on their board of advisors there, uh, or they they get active in their their local school board or their their. Town council. Uh, sometimes it's as as simple as being a, a coach on a, a local sports team. You know, these are things that that really do kind of give people that taste for what it is to to serve others, uh, and also to to put the time and the effort into building and and successfully running a campaign.
0: So, are there any particular opportunities, roles that you recommend people who are interested in pursuing public office explore prior to running?
1: Absolutely. You know, and this this applies to, to whether you're a veterinarian or a, a veterinary technician, uh, or even if you're just somebody who works in, in animal care, uh, the opportunities that are out there uh, really are the same. And that is, you know, look for for Organizations that you can commit your your time and your service to, and and don't just get involved on the the surface level. You know, don't just become a dues paying member, uh, but really kind of dig in. Um, you know, if if you're somebody who's who's working in a community, uh, think about what the opportunities are that are out there to to engage the broader community uh you know start to attend city council meetings and hearings and things like that uh look for opportunities to to get involved in in local civic events and festivals Uh, these are the ways that you really start to to build not only a personal brand uh, that's going to serve you well when you're campaigning uh, but also it helps you to kind of understand the the needs and the wants of those around you and to to figure out how you can best serve
0: yeah and really to help build that foundation within yourself that confidence that you are the right person for this job and you know you know where you're going and what your goals are
1: oh that's huge i mean you know it's it's not an easy thing to run for office and so you really need to go into this committed to it but also confident that that no one can do it better than you, because if if you haven't convinced yourself, the odds that you're going to be able to convince the electorate are slim to none.
0: That sounds really intimidating,
1: <laughs> but it <laughs> makes sense. It is, and it's it it speaks to just a little bit of that mindset of of you know what you see when you you see people on television who Explained are your elected so officials. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, every single one of them there is is firmly convinced that there's no one who could do their job better than them. Sure. And you need that. You need that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I generally stay away from surgery. It's just, I, I don't sleep well at night when I do surgery dentistry all day long, no surgery. And somebody was, was commenting on, you know, let's just say um, a s- surgeon's demeanor. And mm-hmm. I said, well, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, because when you're in there. You don't want somebody who's going to say, oh, I think I should cut this. This looks like about the right area where it should be. You want somebody who looks at it and says, no, I'm right. This is what we're supposed to do. And is very confident in that regard.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I'd want to be involved in surgery by committee.
0: No, exactly. Exactly. So it sounds kind of similar to what you're describing here.
1: It is. It is. There's a real overlap there, um, and and again, I think that's one of the reasons why, in my mind at least, you know, folks in the the veterinary care community really are so well suited to getting into the the public office space in the first place.
0: Like you said, this is a big undertaking, and you need to not only convince the public that you're the best person for the job, but it sounds like convince yourself as well. So what are some of the core questions that you would suggest someone really explore before they decide to make a run for public office?
1: Well, you know, it's you're right. This isn't something you can do on a whim. This is something you really need to kind of commit to and to, to sort of go through the process of, of uh, understanding yourself and, and the circumstances before you jump into them. I mean, I think the first question really is just why? And the second question is why? And the third question is why? Because you know, you need to ask yourself over and over again. This, this is something that you need to have a rock solid answer for. Um, you know, why do I want to do this? Is it because I want to see a lot of people saying my name? Is it because, you know, I I want to get really popular in my community? By the way, both of those are really bad reasons to do it. <laughs> just, but just uh, to clarify. Just, just just to be clear here. That's that's not why you should be doing it. Um Is it because you've identified a very specific need and you think you've got a solution to it? And if the answer to that is yes, then you're off to the right start. The next question you need to ask yourself is how, how am I going to do this? And that's the part that trips a lot of people up because a lot of us, you know, in, in, our beds at three o'clock in the morning have the solutions to all the world's problems. The, the, the trick is turning around and turning those solutions into realities. And, and the first step toward doing that is building a winning campaign. So if you're going to run for office, you need to understand what it takes to build that winning campaign, to fund that winning campaign, and to run that winning campaign. And so the, the, the why and the how are, are really the two most important questions that people need to ask themselves. Uh, and then the last questions uh, are less for you and, and more for the people around you, which is, you know, are you willing to put up with this? Because this is a, a time-consuming and expensive and, in some cases, demoralizing Undertaking. Uh, you know, the reality is politics is a, is a game with winners and losers. And, and you don't get to be elected to office without defeating someone else. Uh, by the same token, your opponent is trying to defeat you. And with all of that being the case, everyone around you is going to be affected by what's playing out in a very public way in the campaign. So you need to make sure that they're on board. And they support you for that. And that they, they understand that some of the things that are said and done out there probably aren't going to cast you in the best possible light.
0: Oh my goodness. But I mean, when you're explaining this, it's making sense uh, from, from a veterinary or veterinary professional standpoint Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, you're talking about um, having all the, having the solution at 3am. Well, in order to it sounds like in order to carry out the solution you have to have people on board you have to have people buy into your solution and that goes back to that unique skill in the veterinary community of communication and coming from a place of trust and That's um right. you know getting people to buy into your plan and then I couldn't help but laugh when you said, you know, this is time consuming and expensive and at times demoralizing. <laughs> I'm like, well, we made it through vet school. so."
1: <laughs> that's what I'm saying. All of, all of this stuff is experiences that map really closely to, to things that, that animal health professionals have already experienced. And that's what makes, in a lot of cases, uh, professionals in this field such good candidates.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. So, you know, let's say you decide, all right, I think this is a direction I might want to go. You start to get involved in your, um, you know, local VMAs and different organizations, things like that. How do you make the jump from there to a political party? Is this something where you're recruited? How does that work? Well,
1: there's a couple of ways to do it. There certainly is a uh, recruitment element. And if you are politically minded in the first place, uh, the best way to do that is to, to get involved with your local party, uh, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, you just need to, to go out and, and identify yourself as someone who's interested. Uh, and then in the same way that you do get involved in those VMAs and other organizations, there are opportunities within the local party to, to start to to represent yourself in a way that demonstrates that you're ready to be a candidate. You know, it depends on who you are. In some cases, that can be making contributions, uh, getting involved in a in a fundraising capacity. Uh, in other cases, it can be volunteering your your time and your talent. Uh, it can be. You know, showing people that that you are an effective uh, representative for the party, somebody who's willing to to be a face and get out there in public and give comments and and quotes that uh, that ideally help advance the the aims of your party. Um, and then in those situations, usually what will happen is the, uh, the parties kind of regularly watch for people that they think uh, would be standouts as a, as a potential candidate somewhere. The, the alternative, though, is to, to go about it in a more independent way, uh, and that's to, to decide that you're going to run for office no matter what. Uh, and look for opportunities to do so in a somewhat more nonpartisan field. Local politics generally is a pretty good way to start uh, on a less partisan footing. And then if you do that and you get involved and you find that uh, that you've got some measure of success there, uh, then it's highly likely that before too long, members from one or both parties are gonna come calling and trying to convince you that uh, you've got a future and it's with them.
0: Interesting. So what types of resources are available to someone who did decide that they want to continue to pursue political office to learn more about the legislative process or campaign funding, media coaching, all these things that would go into running a successful campaign?
1: A lot of that material is out there these days, really just for anybody who's interested in, in looking into it. Uh, I think it's it's really never been easier for someone to, to understand the basics of the political process. Um, but certainly, I think again getting involved with the party committees is the easiest way to do that and it's probably the most organized way to do that you know they're going to they're going to have candidate schools as one uh, one opportunity that committees usually run you know sometimes they'll go a little bit more aggressive and they'll call it a boot camp for people who are oh interested gosh. in running <laughs> i know right and and it really again it just reinforces that idea that you're making this very significant commitment and that uh, that there's a a pretty high bar expected of you but but again it's you know the the material is out there uh, for you to sort of consume independently if you really just want to get a grounding in it. You know, there's even some movies and and television shows out there that do a pretty decent job of uh, of explaining uh, what what you can expect in the political process. Some do a really terrible job on the other side. but uh, <laughs> uh, but again, it's it's if if you're interested, the information is out there, and there's no shortage of people who are ready to tell you exactly what you need to do to win whether they're right or not is another question.
0: Sure. Sure. It's, uh, you know, and I'm again, going back thinking like veterinary training, you know, in in the veterinary community and saying, um, you you can read about it in a book all day long. All the information is out there and and readily available, but it doesn't measure up to doing it and being involved in the different, you know, in in our case and in veterinary cases, but in this case in different organizations and with, with different people getting your, not hands dirty. That's a terrible no, yeah, thing to say in this one. But
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 you're right. It's the difference between theory and practice. You know, it's, uh, it's the old Mike Tyson quote, everybody has a plan before they get punched in the mouth.
0: Yes. That's a great quote. Yeah. I really like that quote. Yeah. I would, so this sounds really interesting, still really intimidating. So, and I think part of that is because I would imagine that there's some potential downsides associated. So what types of, downsides could we see in running for public office?
1: Well, I, I mean, on the one hand, I think the the obvious one is is this is not something for someone with a fragile ego. If, uh, if if you need people to tell you how much they love you, and if you need people to to tell you you're the best over and over again politics probably isn't the way for you to get that. Um, you know, certainly successful politicians will have no shortage of people around them to, to say and do exactly that. But getting there really is a process of just kind of getting yourself kicked in the stomach over and over again uh, by the people who are trying to make it into the same office that you're running for, uh, by people that are out there who have no connection to you other than the fact that they know that you're running and they disagree with your politics. Uh, so certainly, there's there's that downside that needs to be taken into account. Uh, there's the cost. You know, to run a successful campaign really does carry a cost, uh, especially these days when the idea of six and seven figure political campaigns is uh, more the rule and less the exception. Uh, you need to go into this prepared to uh, either spend your money or large amounts of other people's money. And the outcome isn't guaranteed. Uh, the other thing is you need to have a thick skin and you need to be prepared for that uh, that possibility that something that, that you thought nobody would ever hear about uh, in your background will come to light. Uh, and in fact, that's one of the things that uh, that the, the political parties at the, the national level really try to prepare people for is the idea that uh, no matter how No matter how insignificant something is in your background, or no matter how insignificant you think something is in your background, there are people whose job it is to find that information and figure out a way to use it to cast you in a negative light. You know, that is an entire subclass of of political operatives out there. So you need to prepare for that. You need to have done your, your sort of due diligence of investigating yourself, and you need to be prepared to respond to things when, not if, they come out. Uh, That's probably the thing that I've seen most often trip up a candidate is they, they just aren't prepared to talk about something that may not even be an issue if they're talking about it honestly and directly, but it's when they decide that they're going to try to, to dodge it, or they're going to dismiss it as a non-issue that suddenly it just kind of grows and metastasizes and becomes something that they can't possibly get away from.
0: Have I watched enough, um, you know, political dramas and stuff like that? Is that, is that called opposition research?
1: That's right. That's exactly All right.
0: right. Yes. <laughs> I learned something it's, from it.
1: It's a, uh, it is a very, um, uh, it is a very active element of a lot of political campaigns.
0: Goodness, goodness. Something that I can't even wrap my head around. But like you said, it's important that if you feel like you're the right person for the job and you can really solve some of these issues to be prepared for so that you can get to that eventual goal.
1: That's right, that's right.
0: Well, Mike, this has been really interesting. I have to say something I have not spent a lot of time thinking about and you know, really gets your wheels turning about, a whole nother opportunity in veterinary medicine. So thank you for joining me. Are there any final thoughts you want to share?
1: Yeah, I, I just want to wrap it up by saying that, you know, we've talked about a lot of the, the downsides and the things you need to prepare for. Uh, but the reality is public service is still such a, an important and a good and a positive thing. And it really is a way to make such a a significant impact on the world around us that, that I can't encourage it enough to people who are doing it for the right reasons and who are coming at it with the, the purest of intentions. You know, if, if you're in an animal health profession and you have that, that inkling of an idea that you might want to serve, we need you because again, you know, we, we don't have anyone right now at, at, it, at that level in Washington uh, who comes from an animal health background. you know Dr. Schrader will be leaving Congress at the end of this session and at that point we will not have anyone in an elected capacity in Washington uh, who comes from the animal health community. so so again, it's you know yeah, it's tough and and yes, you need to be ready and you need to go in with your eyes open uh, but I want I want to make it very clear it is worth it and and we need you and we want you there and there are people like me out there that are happy to, to help you do what you can to succeed. Just, you know, be prepared to take those steps.
0: Awesome, Mike. Well, thank you again. It's been great talking to you.
1: You as well. Thanks a lot.
0: Well, what do you think? Could you be the next representation that we need in Congress? Regardless of what the answer to that question is, I want to say a big thank you to Mike Bober for joining us. Thank you to Embrace for being a part of this podcast. As a community, we need your voice to be heard so that together we can make a difference. For more episodes like this, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this episode, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day you mm-hmm.